Welcome to Logical, the UAE's first and only regular weekly legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott. Logical's recorded here at the Dubai-based legal firm HPL Yamalava and Plethka. And as ever, here's the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalava. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too, Tim. Thanks for being here, as always. All right. This episode, we're discussing everything you need to know about trademarks. And I guess most of us have seen that little TM that may appear next to a product or service that we use. Um, but the, the background to it, I guess most of us are not massively au fait with. So let's start there, Ludmilla. How do we define, uh, first of all, a trademark? Uh, great to start. Uh, so trademark in general, there is um, somewhat different definitions, but more or less this material elements are the same. And ultimately, a trademark uh, is a type of intellectual property uh, which consists of a recognizable sign or design or expression that identifies products or services uh, from a particular source and um, distinguished them from others. And the trademark owner can be an individual, it can be a business uh, um, organization or any other legal entity. Uh, in the UE, for example, as per the UE's own trademark law, a trademark can be a name, it could be a word, it could be a signature, it could be a drawing, a packaging, or it could be a combination of all of those elements. And uh, in the UAE, again, at a very high level, a great uh, emphasis is put on distinctiveness. In other words, whatever it is that you, you wish to trademark, it ma- must be distinguished and different uh, from uh, other existing types of trademarks. Uh, and um, yeah, trademark, it's interesting because you can look at uh, different trademarks and think, okay, that's just one trademark. But a lot of the times, trademarks are, that we are accustomed to seeing actually is a compilation, combination of multiple trademarks. So, for example, based on this uh, definition that I've just sort of laid out, you could have um, the trademark could just be the name itself, and it has to be original and different from you know, from basically an, an ordinary meaning of that word. Uh, and it can also have, you can also trademark, in addition to the word, you can trademark the, the, the writing or the spelling of this word uh, or the um, uh, the, for, the format or the font of the, that specific word that's associated, the word plus the font, for example. And then it could be the word plus the font plus the color of the font. Uh, and then it could be the word plus the uh, pr- plus, plus the font plus the color plus for a logo that's attached to the word. And each one of these could be a separate trademark. And, uh, and you can also register all of them, the combination, as one trademark. Uh, so, and these days, because uh, we use so many different services and so many different products, it actually does benefit a lot of trademark owners to have each one of these components to be trademarked individually. Uh, but ultimately, let's say kind of to, to, to simplify what is it we're talking about today in terms of trademark. Yes, it's a form of intellectual property. What is intellectual property? So if you kind of want to break it down and make it even more simplistic in terms of property, you have the tangible property, like, for example, my pen uh, or this microphone machine or a cup or a property. So it's something tangible that more or less we can touch and feel. And that's called the, the tangible or material sort of property, physical property. And then you have the intellectual property. So that's not something you can actually physically touch, so, so to speak. Uh, but it's a form of a conceptual uh, idea or, or something proprietary concept or idea uh, that is highly valuable. And uh, it may or may not be valuable when it's formed. Uh, but the idea is as it becomes 
uh, more recognized, uh, better known. It becomes a lot more valuable, and that's why it's so much more important to protect it. So, for example, let's say if I wanted, I mean, the, the more I guess, sort of common and uh, ubiquitous trademarks we have all accustomed to see, such as Coca-Cola or trademark uh, or Nike, uh, for example, and um, or any other sort of sports brand. Uh, so the importance of those those uh, those logos, those names that the word Nike are, are so essential and uh, because they are so defining of the product and the service and, and, and the whole sort of proposition. Uh, so if it wasn't protected, i.e. the word, for example, Coca-Cola or uh, Nike, then any one of us could use those and I could create my own little tea and slap a Coca-Cola uh, label on it. Or I can make my own, uh, design my own uh, yoga pants and put a Nike logo on them. So that's why that's registering that type of intellectual property, that sort of a design or word or a sign is so important because you're trying to protect uh, your ultimate your business and that defines your business. Um, so that's in very sort of broad terms at a high level what the trademarks are all about. Uh, and why they're so important to uh, to protect, uh, not just as a business, but also at a legal at a legal level, to ensure that in the event your business is um, is, is highly dependent on the trademark, uh, that there's some sort of a legal framework upon which you can um, you can rely to be able to enforce um, your right to that trademark. It's an interesting thing, this because. I'm no marketing person or salesperson, but when I see a logo that I know or a logo that I trust somewhere, trust is the key word. I'm used to that product. I know there's a certain standard. I understand, you know, what the brand stands for. I'm just explaining marketing to myself at the moment, actually. But, um, and that's why it's so important. It, it, it's, it's a very kind of emotive, almost visceral level, isn't it? That companies need uh, to protect. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it benefits both, if you will, the ability to protect uh, this kind of intellectual property benefits both not just the business, but also the consumers, as you rightfully said. So mm-hmm. let's say, let's use another example of a trademark is a, a Starbucks. Uh, for all of those who have, or McDonald's, uh, for all of those who like to travel, be it within the same country or more, more interestingly, abroad internationally, uh, seeing that uh, that Starbucks label or the McDonald's, although in many, many uh, countries and perhaps for to, to many, that's not necessarily a welcome sign. But those who are looking for consistency, sure. for some sort of predictability, it's a very and some sort of comfort. It's very comforting for them to see uh, a Starbucks, uh, for example, in in Greece, let's say, and um, and so they know exactly what to expect. So and the the way. Um, the reason they are able to expect that is because the brand itself, the company itself, let's say Starbucks, has been so vigilant about first creating the trademark, second defining exactly what it means and the different elements of it, uh, and then and then third protecting it at the legal from a legal standpoint, and obviously and most importantly, kind of combining or attaching the value proposition, the quality of its service and its product to that particular uh, trademark or that particular name. Uh, so, so the business is able then to invest a lot more because they know that if we're in, the more we invest, uh, the um, 
the stronger our brand will be and then and that we can take that brand elsewhere in the world and it will be protected equally so in other parts of the world and that also benefits consumers who are able to rely and find that same uh, same product and the same service and the same trademark in other countries and know exactly what they expect um, so it's a, it's a win-win but um, there is you know, to come to it obviously it takes years and years of development and and uh, success and and failures in many ways uh, and then that's why, by the way, there is a lot of businesses who once upon a time were successful and they had very successful trademarks. And at some point, they just phase out as a business for one reason or another. And so there is this practice where other new businesses perhaps are uh, buying out the trademarks because already the trademark has created this association uh, and uh, sort of a recognition and almost a vote of confidence and confirmation for that particular product with that sort of trademark. Um, so what often businesses do, new businesses, they'll buy out the, the existing trademarks that once upon a time were successful, were quite recognizable, but now less so. And then they just revive that particular trademark uh, with either similar business or similar concept uh, or somewhat different, but using that trademark purely because there's so much value in, just, in that recognition, the recognition of that trademark, of that design or that logo. So protecting a product or a service is important and trademarking is one of the ways that you protect protect your product or service. Um, the thing is, trademarks differ from country to country, but in the main, it, it's two things, isn't it? It's the difference between the Nice classification and the Madrid protocol. Now that just sounds like that's otherworldly to me. What's the Nice classification and what's the Madrid protocol? So, so uh, perhaps to um, to give some more a better definition or, or understanding of what those particular phrases or terms are, uh, we take a step back and and review the UAE's own trademark uh, okay. legal framework or uh, trademark framework in terms of the laws and legislation. And that, by the way, perhaps we take even one step back and. Um, uh, and remind ourselves that trademarks, when we're talking about trademarks, the reason trademarks in particular are important uh, is because you're ultimately you hoped to be able to uh, use that same trademark in other countries and then and also and not just use them in other countries, but then protect them in other countries and then enforce them in other countries as well, which now that takes us into a multi-jurisdictional area of um, of and businesses and, and the laws in general. So let's say if I have a trademark in the U.S., um, can I equally so um, protect and rely on that trademark? Can I use it? And can I protect uh, and enforce that trademark, let's say, in Brazil? Uh, so, um, and, ev- and so every country, therefore, has its own trademark laws. Uh, and these are quite complex laws in most in most countries these days, and then they evolve quite rapidly because of the different forms of medium that we use or media. Uh, so, um, uh, so every country has its own legal framework to protect trademark to set, that sets out definition of the trademark, uh, what um, uh, the uh, the governing authorities for trademark, the registration mechanism. And then the protection elements. Uh, so, and then, but then, okay, so you have a, a very successful trademark in, let's say, the U.S., but then how can I ensure that that trademark is not used or abused elsewhere? So uh, to have to go and then do th- go through that same process of registering that same trademark in all the other countries where you, that you want to use that trademark, 
Uh, remember, it's you either want to use the tri trademark or you want to prevent others from using your trademark in those other countries. It'd be a very, it'd be, it's a, it's a, it's an expensive and laborious um, and uh, time-consuming process uh, to go, let's say, and now go through the same process of registering the, that same trademark in Brazil and in France and Australia and uh, um, you, you know in. in Kenya and so on and so forth. Uh, so, um, and that's what it would require. And especially these days in our global economy and in our digital world, where you can, if, if you have anything successful these days, it, you are going to exist in a digital format as well, right? You will have a website and the website will have the trademark on it. You'll have your logo. And so who, how do you uh, prevent, for example, from others across on the other side of the world or even in a neighboring country from using your um, your logo and um, and capitalizing on it. Now you've spent all this time and creative genius and and, and perhaps a financial investment in building up this logo. And now somebody across the uh, the world is now is using it to. Uh, uh, to go actually to often provide the same kind of services as the same products uh, under your trademark. So how do you ensure a that you can have protection of your trademark and you can use your trademark in other countries, and then b to prevent others from from using your trademark for their own businesses or services. So this is where a number of countries have come together uh, and uh, sign what they call protocols um, and uh, various uh, uh, international sort of treaties to basically to allow the international protection of or protection of, of uh Trademark specific trademarks at the international level. So, and in very simple terms, all those countries that sign on to these protocols, for example, to these treaties, then can benefit uh, from the protection that is laid out or outlined in these in these protocols. So, for example, if you have uh, uh, if you have twenty countries signed up to, let's say, Madrid Protocol, uh, then uh, then if and you have your original trademark is let's say from the U.S. and so you registered in the U.S. So now just because you are um, uh, once you are a member or signatory to this Madrid Protocol, then you can now start uh, enforcing, and you you have basically the same benefit of protection of your trademark now, not just in the U.S. but in all the other countries uh, that are signatories to the Madrid Protocol. So these are the twenty countries. So that's basically what these protocols are, uh, and I guess. Um, uh, before I go into the protocol, let's bring it back to your uh, to, to the UAE. And so, in the UAE, uh, the UAE had had uh, a trademark law for a while, uh, and it was recently amended, and actually not just amended, but replaced with a new law. So now we have, at a very high level, in um, sort of in terms of the legal framework, the UAE has the federal the trademark law, which is the federal decree law number thirty six of twenty twenty one. So it was recently passed, and this law. Uh, canceled out the previous trademark law and um, set out a new legislative platform uh, for for the definition of trademark and protection of trademark in the UAE. Uh, then following that trademark law, as is typical in the UAE and, and other uh, jurisdictions as well, uh, there was there were executive regulations uh, that, are for, that further clarify uh, certain aspects of the main law, the main trademark law, and that's um, those executive regula regulations um, uh, by virtue of Cabinet Resolution Number 57 of 2022. So in just last year, basically, the UAE further clarified and defined its trademark law by virtue of, of these uh, executive regulations. 
and then in uh, shortly after the UAE issued its new trademark law, it also adopted, as you mentioned, Tim, before, there was called the NIS classification system uh, by virtue of the federal decree law number uh, 156 of 2021. And then also adopted the Madrid Protocol by virtue of the Federal Decree Law Number 67 of 2021, which came into effect in December 28 of 2021. Um, so, so these are at a high level. These are perhaps the four legislative or legal authorities on which to rely on the main ones for the purposes of trademark um, registration and tra- trademark protection. So the main law, its regulations, plus uh, the UAE's adoption of these two international National conventions. Okay, here's one for you. Can trademarks be issued on a geographic basis in geographic locations? If one exists in Dubai, can it also be issued for a different owner uh, in America? Uh, Luke Miller, how would you uh, respond so to that? So perhaps before we, we answer um, these kind of specific questions, we can go back into uh, the, the definition a little bit of the NIS classification system and the Madrid sure. Protocol, because they will help us answer these questions um, from a legislative standpoint. So so there are these two international, if you will, laws, right? International protocols, treaties, whatever they're called. Uh, and so one is called the NIS classification system. And, and the purpose of the NIS classification is uh, to harmonize trademark registration systems in different countries. Uh, and so this is, and this is done by uh, creating different categories under which trademarks related to specific goods or services can be registered. So you have the categories, right? For example, food, you know, within the food category, there's so many different subcategories. So, uh, so think about just the categorization of, of, of the different types of products and services that exist in the world. So wouldn't that be nice to have some kind of standard groupings or categories? And that's basically what the NIS, uh, NIS uh, classification system is all about. And a number of countries uh, over the years have come together and created these different categories in terms of um, in terms of trademark registration. So all those countries that are signatories to the NIS Convention can benefit from this sort of har- harmonized trademark registration system where, let's say, if you are in um, in pharmaceutical uh, or in some sort of food products, that you know under exactly under which category your product, it would be the same sort of category of, um, uh, of, of products that you would be registering your trademark in uh, and that you would be able to benefit and rely on these sort of – classification in different countries that are signatories to to the Nice Convention. Uh, So... um uh, so yeah, so this, those states who are members of the NIS classification system and which have fully adopted it into their laws and regulations uh, apply the same categories created by the NIS, uh, uh, NIS classification system. The UAE finally adopted the NIS classification system, and that was just in 2021, at the end of 2021, uh, and that's by uh, virtue of the federal decree law number 156. Uh, so as of 2021, the UAE now is also a member to the NIS classification. Therefore, uh, it would it follows or at least it uh, it's sort of perhaps some to some extent it's still work in progress, but it's basically going to use the same uh, classifications and same categories uh, for trademark purposes as all those countries uh, that are signatories uh, to the NIS classification. Now the the next uh, international uh, legi- le- so legal 
authority, if you will, is what's called the Madrid Protocol. The Madrid Protocol allows uh, trademark, trademark owners um, protection of their trademarks beyond borders. So that basically, when we go back into the questions um, about trademark um, uh, owners, uh, or, so if you have a trademark in one country, can you benefit from uh, it in, a, in another country? So that's basically the Madrid Protocol. And um, uh, and, the, and how it works is a trademark applicant applies for the registration of their trademark via what's called the World Intellectual Property Organization or WIPO registry. Uh, so, so you apply through that registry and then uh, they can choose uh, to register a trademark in multiple member states uh, of that Madrid protocol. So, for example, but you do need to have an origin, uh, originating country in which you have the trademark. So, for example, if I have a U.S. trademark, uh, then which I have registered, then I apply through this uh, the WIPO registry uh, under the Madrid protocol to have my trademark be registered in X number of these Madrid Protocol uh, countries. So you go into the system, the Madrid Protocol is a website. Basically, you can select, okay, this is my trademark. It's, it originates, let's say, in the U.S. And I want to also give register this trademark in the following X number of countries that are part of the Madrid Protocol. So and by virtue of doing that, so it's not by default, right? It's not automatic. You do need to go through the process. So And that's, by the way, is just generally speaking, a trademark. You do need, in order to be able to benefit from it, you, need, you do need to register it. You need to do something about it. Uh, which is um, different from copyright because copyright is created upon creation uh, whereas trademark in order to have a, an enforceable trademark right you do need to actually register in the system so just because you have a U.S. system and U.S. is a signatory a member to the Madrid Protocol does not give you automatic um, protection of your trademark in all those countries so you do need to opt in and do a concerted effort and register with the madrid uh, through the madrid uh, under the madrid protocol through wipo and select in which other countries you want um, that particular uh, trademark to be registered and so this obviously results in significant um, and significant savings in terms of time and cost uh, because it allows you to benefit from uh, uh, from trademark protection in multiple countries, basically uh, at the same time. So mm. by virtue of just uh, submitting one application. Uh, and um, once again, good news is the UAE finally also adopted the Madrid Protocol uh, just at the end of 2021, so a little over a year ago. Uh, and that's, uh, as I mentioned before, that's the federal decree law number 67 in 2021. Uh, and so now, theoretically, at least, the Madrid Protocol is now in effect uh, in terms of how it's being practiced for the time being. It's sort of there's still a bit of work in progress, but in legal terms, uh, there is um, – um, we now – or the country that is now subject to the Madrid Protocol. So theoretically, let's say if you have a trademark registered in the UAE, then you can use that trademark, uh, register the WIPO registry. You can also uh, select where else you want your trademark to be protected. And in theory, vice versa. So let's say if you have a trademark originating from Spain and it's registered um, uh, through uh, the, the WIPO in the WIPO registry, then now as you, you can select the UAE as one of the states uh, – that where your tra Spanish trademark, for example, would also uh, be protected. Um, so um, again, this is fairly a new law still, and uh, there are some systems that still need to be implemented and adjusted uh, to be to, to make the, to implement the law fully. Uh, but basically, at the at the time uh, at present. And that's going back to the previous questions, uh, and that is that if you uh, are a member of one of these countries, so if, let's say if you have um, a trademark in the U.S., and the U.S. is a member of Madrid Protocol, so now 
uh, you would also you you can select to register your trademark also in the UAE without having to come into the UAE and register their trademark from within the country. Sure, and also it means that if you are looking at the WIPO registry, you can see if your trademark or if you're infringing on any other trademarks with your trademark in your country, I guess as well, or if you're about to register one. I mean, it gives you a way of, um, you know, being original, doesn't it? Well, it's interesting. It's a, it's a very very good question because at the same time, yes, but also you brought up another uh, another wrinkle, and that is, let's say, yes. So you are coming from the U.S. and you want to uh, register your trademark also through the Madrid Protocol uh, in the UAE, and then so and then you apply to add your trademark to the UAE. Uh, and then it turns out that there's somebody else here within in the UAE that's already using a, a similar trademark or the same trademark. Um, so that too could happen, by the way. And so that that's called a challenging a trademark. So uh, and there is a process as well where uh, where the trademark is just published out there for you know for parties to um, to comment or to challenge. Uh, so it is also possible that uh, just because your trademark is valid and existing in yeah, ten countries, it, it it will it will be equally enforced in all the other or registered in another tw- uh, ten countries. There could be some countries where that same trademark might have already been used, uh, and so and they have precedence, a priority right over the trademark. So yeah, there are some there it's you know, there are some nuances to that too. Well, I was going to say somebody's asking that question. What happens if the logo I've created for my firm exists in another country? Should I recreate a new one? Is it a case that? Whoever did it first has, you know, is is there a priority uh, in that case? Uh, so it, it's it's a fairly complex exercise because it's not just the priority; it's also use, right? Okay. So it's like so. Okay, so how uh, priority is okay? So who registered it first? And it's also um, it's priority of, of you, it's of use or registration because these are two separate, uh, separate concepts. Yeah. So I started using the trademark, but I haven't registered it. Um, so and somebody else across the world could have started actually uh, registered it and maybe using a little later. So there is the, 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 I guess the timing of the use itself and then the timing registration and then also the extent of the use and also perhaps uh, to an extent popularity uh, of that product or service. Uh, so it is possible to challenge uh, the uh, one's right to a trademark on the basis, yes, I know you've had it registered, but I've, and if you've even used it to an extent, but for example, you've used it for, uh, I, I use it a lot more and so my, therefore I should have some kind of priority or some kind of uh, uh, rights to it over yours, and um, uh, and also, um, for example, my use of that particular trademark is a lot more uh, is is a lot more maybe in line with the the trademark itself. So your use, yes, you're using it, but you're using it, for example, for for pastries, and I'm using it for for pharmaceutical products. And given the name, it's a lot more apt to use a pharmaceutical products than for pastries. So therefore, you can kind of lose out on um, on using that particular name because it's not as important to you as it is important to me, uh, who is in pharmaceutical. Again, so this is a fairly complex exercise. It's you know, this is why you have courts and judges who go through these different tests and uh, and uh, analyses in deciding. 
uh, which should take precedence or priority, um, if if any. And at some point it's possible, and it does often happen, then you end up having with very similar trademarks in different countries, and they just cannot, you know, they just basically within this, they exist within the borders of that particular country, and um, their uh, international reach, if they want to enter that same market, they will ultimately have to use a different trademark for their product. So do your research really is uh, the answer, isn't it? Uh, know your stuff. So l- let's assume that Ludmilla's Legal Cupcakes is going to go ahead and we're going to start this firm. Uh, since your name's Jamalova, we'll probably expand into Pavlovas and all kinds of things at some point down the road. But we've got something original here. We have what we think is a uh, a trademarkable logo for the cupcakes, the scales of justice with two delightfully decorated cupcakes. Um, where do you start? We're, we're based here in the UAE, so I guess we start with trademarking here first. Is that right? Uh, yes. So you do need to start to to, um, uh, to pick a place and start, and particularly if you want to benefit, for example, from these uh, from the Madrid Protocol, you need to start in the country uh, that is a member to the Madrid Protocol. Because, for example, if you want to register a trademark. Um, for um, a chain of pharmacies, right, or restaurants. Uh, and uh, so Saudi, Saudi, for example, Saudi Arabia is not part of the Madrid Protocol. So if you start and you register your, your original trademark in Saudi, then you will basically, and then you want to go and register that same trademark in the GCC, the rest of the GCC, and maybe in Europe, then you will need to go um, country by country because Saudi, the originating state, uh, the, the place where your original trademark was registered first is not not a member to the Madrid Protocol. So right. in that case, you would not be able to benefit. Even, for example, let's say they registered in Saudi, but, and then uh, they also registered in the UAE. They cannot really use the UAE, for example, in that case, because it's not, uh, so it's not their originating place of registration uh, for the purposes of being able to benefit from uh, from Madrid. So, uh, so yeah, so you, you need to choose where it is you want. So if, if you have a choice, for example, if you're going out into a new business and you're going to, with a new business in several places at the same time, that that's one consideration you may want to keep in mind. And that is you pick, a, uh, yeah, let's say, use that specific example. Uh, you represent a chain of restaurants that you want to, or coffee shops you want to go into, and you want to invest into a trademark. Um, so, and you, a business coming from Saudi Arabia, but uh, perhaps for the purposes of your intellectual property and registration in intellectual property, you can uh, start a hub in the UAE versus Saudi Arabia, because then you will be able, once you registered your trademark through the UAE, you will be able to um, then benefit from the Madrid Protocol and become uh, subject to the enforcement and protection and enforcement of uh, all the countries that are part of the Madrid Protocol. Uh, so that's kind of how you would do it. Uh, but the process is yeah, still, I have to tell you, it's not simple to register a trademark. Okay. It's uh, It takes time and it costs money. Uh, so you need to start, let's say, if it's if we're registering the trademark in the UAE, you need to start with, uh, and by the way, in the UAE, the authority that overlooks or receives trademark, registra- trademark registration is the Ministry of Economy, and that's um, set out specifically in the, the new trademark law. Uh, in terms of who the authority is. Uh, and then, so you need to apply basically through the Ministry of Economy and they have the online portal. Uh, so that's a lot more convenient than it was in the past. Uh, and then you just submit your application and you need to pay a fee. So the application fee, just again, at present at least, uh, is 750 dirhams. That's $200 to uh, to submit. 
Uh, along with that, you need to submit all sorts of uh, documents. And by the way, in the UAE, one of the requirements for trademark is that it also must be in Arabic. So you cannot just have an English name only as a trademark. You always have to have an Arabic component to it. So that's, you know, that's kind of, that was spelled out in the, the, this new trademark law. And that's just kind of where we are these days. Uh, so you submitted all the documents and, um, and then you, and you let the authorities kind of, and they will publish as well. They publish because they want for, so it's kind of like public, a publication, uh, for the rest of the world to comment or not world for the rest of the country to comment to see if somebody wants to challenge, uh, the, um, your attempt to register your trademark. Uh, so, uh, so that, that obviously takes some time for the authorities to go through for, for it to publish. And so then the, the authorities can either accept it as is, uh, or they can reject it, uh, or they can request certain restrictions. So, for example, I will give you, I'll let you register this trademark, but this particular trademark cannot apply to uh, X, Y, Z sort of category of services, for example. Uh, so they can restrict your your use of that trademark. Um, and um, that you have 90 days, basically within 190 days, you have the, uh, basically the opportunity to comment. Uh, and and then, you know, I can, again, then they'll publish it again. And there's different sort of going back and forth with different amendments. And um, ultimately, if the application is accepted, then you need to also pay 5,000 dirhams for the actual application. Okay. So remember, so the process is you first apply, then you wait for the authorities to comment, and they will either deny it or reject it flat out because maybe somebody already has the same trademark, uh, or you can amend it, uh, or you can restrict it. And so it kind of goes back and forth, and they'll publish it and then uh, to see if there's any other challengers and then they will decide on that and if there's an actual formal challenge that they may even actually go into a court case. Uh, so, but let's say without all these specific challenges, it takes about still a year for that uh, trademark to be registered. And then you have to pay once it's actually uh, registered. However, you can benefit from this waiting period. So later on, if, for example, your trademark is accepted and registered, and then there's some kind of a dispute about uh, the priorities and priority of, of uh, uh, registration so that the beginning or the application period will also be counted for. And you can also even later to uh, benefit from some sort of protection, limited protection while during this waiting period, if ultimately your, your trademark is registered. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, some people say, oh my gosh, it's so, um, so lengthy, but that it is a lengthy process. And in other countries as well, it takes about a year, year and a half, uh, from the time you apply to the time you actually have your trademark registered. And by the way, just, uh, once you have it registered in the UE, then you can apply to the, the WIPO registry through the WIPO registry and you know, on the Madrid protocol basis, uh, and have that trademark uh, register, be registered in other uh, countries. So first you need to register it in one country. So you can't, I mean, you can kind of go in parallel a little bit, but you still have to uh, more or less uh, have started the process in the originating country. But it is still going to take time, uh, clearly. But you can operate your, your new business with your new logo, uh, in theory, you know, as normal. So Ludmilla's Legal Cupcakes is a, a going concern, and hopefully we can trademark it uh, within the next 12 months or so. What if somebody uh, does copy the idea? What, what, what do you do? Uh, where, where, where do you start? Do you start locally? Do you start throwing initial international court cases out? What, what's the first step to take if, if somebody has clearly infringed upon your trademark? 
It's a great question. And here's, um, here's a, two parts to it. So it depends on whether you have your trademark registered or not. So, and you touched upon an interesting uh, idea, which I think is, is important to further highlight. And that is that in order to operate or to use a trademark or a logo legally, you don't need to register it at all. So you can have the legal cupcakes and I can use it and I don't have to register it. Uh, so the registration, I, I, I told you, I really like that term. It's very catchy. This. Yes, and so am I. <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> this is the beginning of something special, Tim. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but uh, so so you don't have to register trademark. You register trademark to uh, if you want to benefit from protection. Sure. So you can absolutely use the uh, Mila's legal cupcakes or whatever else I want to use, and as my sort of as my logo, as my design, as my um, um, you know as, as my message to the world. Uh, but I don't have to register it. I, but if I do register it, so if or if I want to register it, uh, or when I would. Might, may want to register is it if I I'm, a think, I'm thinking others will start using my trademark that I worked so hard to kind of to create and give some meaning and substance behind it so now that others will be using it um, and therefore benefiting from my hard work on the one hand on the other hand stealing potentially either my clients or even worse uh, damaging my trademark right because they could be providing same sort of service or goods and uh, um, using uh, pretending that they're me and so uh, and since they're not me they their service, let's say, is much worse than mine. And so that would also negatively reflect on my reputation. Mm. So so that's when I really, really want to register trademark. I'm sure everybody, most businesses want to register trademarks because, but as I said earlier, it does take time and money uh, to do it. And also, as I mentioned even earlier, and that's, it's it's legal, good meals, legal cupcakes. It uses an example. There's so many different words, right? That I may not, you know, may have to uh, register several, uh, several trademarks to benefit, to have the full benefit of that particular trademark could be Ludmila's legal cupcakes that hold the words all these words together and only it could be Ludmila's legal cupcakes with pictures of like you you said the scales with the little um uh, with the cupcakes underneath, for example, the scales of justice, right? Uh, or it could be just the scales of justice with the cupcakes underneath, just without the names, or it could be abbreviated names and so on and so forth. So for me to get, let's say, full benefit of it, I probably just off the top of my uh, head, I'm thinking there's equal, easily at least 10 different trademarks uh, that could be registered in with, in that one example. So now if you take the 750 dirhams and take it and, and multiply by 10, that's quite a bit of money to to just apply, right? And you're just applying for it. And then ultimately, if you do have the benefit of it, you have to pay about $1,500 for each one of them to register. So it's not in, it's not an insignificant amounts. And that's why a lot of businesses, as much as they may want to register their trademarks, they don't because not only the cost, but also the sort of the, the, the work, the process that goes into registering trademarks. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, so, but, but if you do register it and you do finally have a successful registration, then you are, especially in the UAE, you are very well protected because there are different mechanisms that exist for you to, to enforce it and enforce it rather, uh, immediately. So one of the things, for example, you can, um, just call the police because if you register a trademark, the police will just come and like basically close down the shop that has your registered trademark or seize the goods that, for example, that are using your, uh, your trademark. So that's uh, fairly easy to do. And, um, 
And this happens quite, and that's one of the greatest benefits in the UAE in particular because the authorities here are very efficient in that way. So let's say I, I have a registered trademark for Lumila's illegal cupcakes, uh, and I see a store that opened up uh, somewhere across town, and they are selling, not only are they uh, operating under that name, but they're also selling different goods and gadgets uh, with that name, with a little trademark. So now me having just a registered trademark, uh, basically I would call the, the police, it's the, the police will not only close down the shop, but also seize all the goods and ultimately destroy the goods. I mean, so it's very effective. And then there is, um, and then there is, you know, there's basically you could do it through the, uh, through the police. You can do it through what's called the order and petition, which is um, a civil remedy where you go through the court and you're going to issue a, a letter from the court saying, yes, basically this, you know, please enforce this trademark. Um, so, and you can, through the court, you can ask for whatever it is you want. So it's, it, it, it is also possible that, for example, somebody, uh, so I created and I bought a number of my own little Ludmila's legal cupcakes uh, uh, notebooks, for example, right? But somehow in the process, um, they uh, uh, ended up being uh, taken over by somebody else or bought or someone. So I could even ask the order and petition um, that the court issues an order for, for the authorities to go and seize those items and give them back to me. Right. So, uh, so because I'm the lawful owner of them, for example. So the order petition is, is ultimately using the civil courts to give you the ability to make requests in terms of what it is that you want to do with these trademarks. You want them destroyed. You want them returned. You want the shop to be closed. Um, and, and so on and so forth. And then obviously there could be, there will be criminal sanctions on those, uh, on the, on the parties that, that infringe. And we can talk about that. Uh, but and at equally so, the, uh, if you have an order and petition and something like this happens, you can also file a civil case for compensation, uh, if um, especially if your business has suffered as a result of somebody else trying to compete under your trademark. So, there, I mean, there are levels of protection there, aren't there? Well, what kinds of penalties may apply if somebody, you know, opens up uh, another branch of Ludmilla's legal cupcakes without your permission? Oh, sorry, our permission, as we are. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, I see what's happening here, too. See what I mean? <laughs> I can see you've been learning well from these podcasts. <laughs> so, yeah, so penalties, it depends on the type of perhaps infringement, if you will, a violation. Uh, so, for example, if you've got forgery of trademark or use of forged trademarks or possession of of materials to forge trademarks, the penalties could range from 10,000 dirhams to a million dirhams. Yeah, yeah. Right. so it can be, it's, it's, it's quite punitive and that's the idea, right? Because you want to deter people from uh, the idea of benefiting from somebody else's uh, business success. Mm. Uh, and, um, and then on the other hand, pen- pen- penalties regarding the sale of goods or services carrying an infringed trademark or the unlawful use of trademark, uh, registered trademark range from 50,000 to 200,000. So for example, somebody is selling my, you know, products or services. So the first, the first set of penalties refers more to forged, uh, forged, uh, forgery of trademarks or use of forged trademark or possession of, of technology or gadgets, the devices that allow you to forge trademarks, right? So those are the penalties. That's why they go up to a million. But here it's somebody's using, uh, sales or good, uh, goods, uh, of, uh, infringed trademarks. So somebody, let's say you, Tim, you won and you, uh, just devised your own, uh, Ludmilla's legal cupcakes, uh, notebooks. <laughs> I know you're trying to claim right to it, but. 
<laughs> but uh, I uh, remember they're called Ludmilas, not Tim's. Yeah. So anyway, so in that particular case, so the penalties are a little less, I mean, I guess higher from starting point, but they're capped at 200,000 dirhams, so 50,000 to 100,000 dirhams. Mm. And and every time, you, if there is repeated violation, uh, then the penalties uh, double. So, so yeah, so they're pretty significant, and and so monetarily they are significant for the party that's using the infringed trademark, uh, and also legally because not only will the products be seized, for example, uh, but also their shops will be closed, their services or businesses will be closed, and on top of that, they can also be fined. So remember, this is like a triple, quadruple penalty. So um, they close down the shop or the business, they take away the goods, and they impose penalties as well. And these are penalties, these are not money that comes to me, for example, but that's penalties that go to the authorities for um, uh, for me or for, for you, Tim, violator. <laughs> Violating <laughs> my, infringing my trademarks. <laughs> so, oh, man. yeah. So anyway, interesting, interesting system, but very. Uh, it's it's if you have a registered trademark, ultimately in the UAE in particular, it's actually very effective. I'm going to cite this recording as evidence that Ludmilla's legal cupcakes was first uttered by me. But you know, we're already we'll in dispute. Okay, we'll be, We've not yes. even got the business I'm yet. Sure. <laughs> This is not going to work, is it? Well, unless we do it together. So I guess now we're bound together. There you are. Um, If I missed anything, because, I mean, what's very clear here is that if you register a trademark, it is expensive to do it. It does take time. But there are very real, tangible benefits, it seems to me. Absolutely. So if you do have it, it's extremely valuable. It's extremely effective. Uh, and it's certainly for businesses, it's worthwhile to, um, uh, to try to register. Uh, but especially as a startup business, we all know startup businesses have so many other expenses uh, to consider before they even have a proven concept of a successful business model. So it's an understandable expense that they perhaps hold back on. But as your business becomes more successful, uh, and as long, obviously, as long as it also relies uh, heavily on that trademark, because don't forget, a lot of businesses, they don't really care. Right? They don't really need to have uh, a strong trademark. So, for example, if you uh, uh, make um, cupcakes, and it's just called Ludmila's Cupcakes, right? And it's just, you know, me and, and it's my name, and it's my po- cupcakes. I don't necessarily even need to create a logo. It's just Ludmila's Cupcakes. I can have an Instagram account, and it's linked to me, and I sell my po- cupcakes. And by the way, a lot of businesses these days operate that way uh, without even uh, their own website and they're very effective and that's a lot more economically uh, uh, accessible to them um, so so there it is you don't really not you don't need to have a trademark but as you become more successful as you become uh, more um, uh, sort of more spread out uh, and uh, as you invest more money into your business as your name becomes more valuable that's when you want to go and uh, invest perhaps make the investment and register That's another episode of Logical. This time, trademarks here in the UAE. Lots to think about, to consider. As always, legal expert, managing partner here at Yamalova and Pletka, Ludmilla Yamalova. And once again, a huge thank you. Thank you, Tim. Find us at LY Law, social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, live on those platforms at different times, recording uh, the Logical podcast as well. It's a huge, ever-growing library of Logicals, all kinds of legal matters here in the UAE, and they're all free to listen to. If you'd like a legal question answered in a future episode of Logical, or you'd like to talk to a qualified UAE experienced legal professional, click the contact button at lylawyers.com.